en hartelike goeiemorgen, welkom by ons program Skrifteerlik, waar ons wekelijk saam na oplossing soek uit die skrifte, vervra waarom je gewone mense sikkel. Die Bijbel sê in Johannes 17, 17, jy woord is waarheid, heilig hulle na jy woord, en Psalm 119, 105 sê, jy woord is een lamp vir my voete en een licht vir my pad. Kom dan saam met ons vir die volgende uur, wanneer ons geen steen onaangeraak laat, om die waarheid te vind en licht te skyn op die vraag uit die skrifte, waarmee ek en jy moendik kan worstel nie. Krij dus gauw jou Bijbel en kom onderzoek saam met ons die skrifte. Dis moes nou skrifteerlik. Have you ever dreamed of starting your own business? Or do you wish to take your business to the next level? Then it is time to pitch your business. I am Youth, Radio Pulpit, Radio Cape Pulpit and Northwest University Thunderbell Park Campus are banding together to host a Pitch Your Business competition. Together we will empower entrepreneurs and aspiring entrepreneurs. The winner will receive prizes in the form of media coverage up to 500,000 Rand on I am Youth, Radio Pulpit and Radio Cape Pulpit for the best business concept. The total joint prize value for media coverage is more than 1 million rand. Northwest University Thunderbell Park Campus will provide vital online training to all participants in the various qualifying levels and the winner will receive online training and valuable in-depth mentorship by the university. Register now for the competition on iamyouth.co.za radiopulpit.co.za or radiocapepulpit.co.za Registration closes on 14 April. Van jou oor, na jou hart, na jou mond, na jou voete. Word deel van hierdie lewe op 657 Radio Kansel en 729 Kaapse Kansel. Dis waar jy geskakel is, 657 AM, hartelike goeiemorgen, hier vanuit ons atelier Skilner Park in Pretoria. Met die genade van die heren, nou ja, ons het nie op hierdie stadium een krachtprobleem nie, en ons kan gesels saam jou, keier saam met jou, tot en met 12 uur vanmorgen. Die weese van hierdie programma, onderzoek saam met ons die skrifte, as jy vraag het uit die bybel uit, wat vir jou dalk onduidelik is, en wat jy nie heel te mal weet, hoe om by die antwoord uit te kom, nie ons onderzoek saam met jou die skrifte. Aan die einde van die dag is ons harte om by die geest van die Heere te hoor en dat sy geest ons leid dat ons nie in die vlees vir jou mense opinie sal gee nie, maar uit Godse woord uit die antwoorde saam met jou gaan soek. As jy vraag het, baie welkom om het vir ons in te stuur saam met my in die atelier, pastoor Rocky Stevenson, benauw nie Bible Church, Rocky, good morning to you, welcome my brother, how are you keeping on this uh, Tuesday morning? Yeah, very well, thank you, Vainant, um, what a joy it is to be here once more and to have all the listeners that are tuned in. I know that a lot of Pretoria seems to be out of um, energy, but hopefully you're able to still keep your radios going. Yeah, well, we hope and pray and trust that uh, you have some data and that you can listen to us on wherever you are, on your car radio, uh, your radio at home, your radio at work. So do join us for the next hour to come. I'm going to give you a WhatsApp number. Uh, If you've got a question that you'd like to pose, you can send it in to the following number, 082. That's the Vodacom network. Easy enough. 082. Then 657, the frequency on which we broadcast. 657. Then the number 2. And then 729. Radio Cape Pulpit, our sister station down in the Western Cape. Let's put it all together. It's a very easy number. 082 657 We say from the one 
to the other. So fairly easy to remember. If you've got a question, just post the scriptures, which is unclear uh, to you. Uh, just post that in the WhatsApp as well. It just makes life a little bit easier here in stereo. Neem ons blief kennis, ons vat nie oproepe in die atelier nie. En uh, as jy uh, vraag het, jy moet het vir ons uittik en vir ons instuur na die atelier toe. So baie dankie ook daarvoor. Kom ons spring weg. Rocky, we received a question from a listener that says, reading Matthew 12 and verse 40. We've just gone through uh, the Passover weekend, and uh, he says there, Jesus predicted that it is, uh, as with Joah, uh, Jonah, was three days and three nights in the belly of the fish. The fish so will be the Son of Man, three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Then he continues to say, we traditionally celebrate the crucifixion on a Good Friday. However, the maths does not make sense. If Jesus was raised on a Sunday, can you please shed some light on that? Johan, thank you so much for that question. And let's see what the scriptures answers us. Rocky, how do we do the maths if we look at God's word? Yeah, I think it's um, it's a helpful question. Uh, I I think that I also received an email this last week from Stefan van Sale, and uh, he sent me a few emails regarding the same kind of a question. And so I think it would be good for us to just lump that together. And and part of what he was looking at, he said, taking into account that a that a day in biblical times starts at sunset, and not sunrise, as many believe, then. If he was crucified on Friday and gave up his last breath roughly at the ninth hour, 3 p.m., and entombed before sunset, as it was the onset of Shabbat, then counting onward would mean that, as per his own words, that he would be dead for three days, three nights. So this is linking to that same question with regard to Matthew 12:40. How then is it possible that he rose on Sunday? And so this question kind of is asking, how can it be that he rose on the Sunday? Yeah. Now, Sunday is a term that has we have adopted from the Roman world for, and, and we do look at our starting of the day at 12 at night and then ending at 12 the Gr- next night. The, Gregorian for the Hebrew, character. the Hebrews, they looked at it as sunset to sunrise. And then he says, what I'm trying to explain here is if we follow the thinking that he rose on Sunday, then Friday night, Saturday day, day one, Saturday evening, Sunday day, day two, Sunday evening, Monday day, day three. Now, I mean, we would be looking at at this rather, it's helpful to look at it at day one, day two, day three. He rose on day three, and day three is the first day of the week, because the scriptures tell us it was the first day of the week. We've seen the first day of the week as being Sunday, and that's uh, what we see him rising on on the Lord's Day, which has by church history always been um, uh, viewed that way. Then he, he quotes the Amplified Bible in Matthew twenty seven twenty seven to twenty eight, which says, "When it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who was also a disciple of Jesus. He went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus, so that he might bury him. And Pilate ordered that it may be given to him. And then he quotes Matthew twenty eight one. Now after the the Sabbath." Near dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. Matthew 28, 
verse 1. And there's a critical passage because the scripture itself tells us that on the first day of the week, and the first day would have started at the sunrise um, that night before in that sense, and it would have ended at the sunset towards that first day. And he's just before the daybreak. And so you see this probably just at like 5 o'clock in the morning, maybe 4.30, just before the sun rises, you have Jesus our Lord has risen, but he's risen at that point on the first day. And then it says um, in uh, in Matthew twenty eight six, he is not here, for he has risen, just as he said he would. Come, see the place where he was lying. And then he continues and he says, note that scripturally that Sunday has not yet started as in Matthew 28. One, I would disagree with him there because it was the first day of the week. And the first day of the week is Sunday, um, not Monday. Um, as many, and, and I think we get confused with this because of our weekends. We think to ourselves, well, um, and Saturday is actually the last day of the week. The first day of the week is the Sunday. And the Sunday has traditionally, in fact, right in the beginning of the early church, they would only assemble at night after they were done with work to remember the fact that our Lord rose from the dead on that first day of the week. That has become corporately the day that the church is assembled. Now, in Acts chapter 2, you find that the church was assembling every single day. But there was a special assembly on the first day of the week, knowing that our Lord Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath, and he has actually set aside all of these laws that govern which day exactly. But for us as the Christian church, we have traditionally met on the Lord's Day. Now, there are places in the world where that's not possible. For example, for a long time during uh, in, in most of the Muslim world, many churches have met on the Friday because oh, wow. that has been the day that has been the only day that has been a holiday as such. And so churches have met that day. And there's no specific law within the New Testament that governs which day that we meet. Now, I do know that there is an argument from some of the Hebrews' rights movements and some of these groups that would say, no, we have to actually have our church on the Sabbath as well. And that would be a fallacy and incorrect. And if we are to take that view, then we need to go back to what Paul said in the book of Galatians. If we're to take some of the law of the Old Testament, then we need to take all of the law of the Old Testament. And then we're actually not under grace at all. And we're not under this new covenant which Christ has given to us. So I would be careful with regard to that type of argumentation that would say that he was um, that he rose on the, on the Sabbath. The Bible clearly says to us it was the first day of the week. Now, um, to, to wrap these two questions into one Jesus did say in Matthew 12 verse 40 for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the of the fish so the son of man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth and the simplest way to then say is well we have received what God has said in the word and God said it so therefore we believe it now God questions has got a good article on this that is helpful to go and look at if you wish to go and look at it but those that argue for the Friday crucifixion say that there is still a valid way that he could have been considered as having been three days because of the Jewish mindset in the first century as part of the day was considered as the full day and so there's some that would say that I I don't necessarily hold to the Friday view I think it's possible that Jesus actually was crucified on the Thursday But I I do want to wrap this up at the end of this um, answer to say that it's not so much that it matters if he was crucified on the Wednesday, the Thursday, or the Friday. What matters is he was crucified, he was buried, and he rose again. And the Bible says that it was three days, three nights. And the Bible also clearly says to us it was the first day of the week that he rose from the dead, and, um, and that we need to just stick to. But 
they would look at this, those that hold to the Friday view, that he could be considered as have been in the grave for three days over the, the principal argument for Fridays found in um, Matthew, or rather Mark 15.42, which notes that Jesus was crucified the day before the Sabbath. So that's why people would say that it is the Friday, because it was the day before the Sabbath. But I do believe that because this was over the time of Yom Kippur and over the time of the Day of Atonement and the and actually the Passover feast, that you would have something called a double Sabbath mm. as well that would take place in the Jewish too. calendar. Yes. And so this could be that you had the Sabbath on the Friday and the Saturday, um, and it could be that you had the Sabbath on the Thursday and the Saturday. Yes. And so depending on how that worked out, you would have then either the crucifixion happening on the Thursday or on the Wednesday. What I would say as well is that the Bible hasn't made this a massive point of contention because it's not meant to be a massive point of contention. And so we've got to also go where the Bible allows us to go and say, well, Jesus has said three days, three nights. Three days, three nights is what has happened. Remember also that as Jesus was crucified, even though this was still in the afternoon hours, darkness fell on the earth. Back to Genesis, you as well see that God called the darkness night. He called the day light or the, the light day and so you also have that element where there was this darkness immediately as he died you had the earthquake that happened the curtain temple uh, curtain torn from top to bottom so you already have this almost a night day element even at the very crucifixion of our lord jesus now that doesn't take away from the fact that it was three days now as you go through this argumentation, another argument for Friday says that verses such as Matthew sixteen twenty one, as well as Luke 9, verse 22, teach that Jesus would rise on the third day, and therefore he would need to be in the grave for a full three days and three nights. But while some translations use on the third day for these verses, not all of them. And so there's not this massive agreement on the third day aspect. And then... I think that, uh, that there's a strong argument for the Thursday argumentation, which expands on the Friday view and then argues that mainly that there are two, that there's just too many events, such as uh, some would count even up, at, up to 20 events that happened between Christ's burial and the Sunday morning to occur that Friday evening or on, uh, to, to the Sunday morning. And so proponents of the Thursday view point out that is, there's especially a problem when the only full day between Friday and Sunday was the Saturday, which is the Jewish Sabbath. So then you would be saying, he well, he actually rose on the second day um, instead of on the third day if you had to take the Friday view. So an extra day would then eliminate that problem altogether. And so the Thursday advocates uh, um, for this this better kind of a view of the three days. And I think that this would be a safe view to hold if you were to take a Thursday view of the crucifixion, which is more where I would I would hold to more the Thursday he was crucified. Then it would be Friday, Saturday, Sunday he rose in the early morning oh, and right. because of the whole Jewish kind of calendar. And this would at least give an extra six, it would, would give about 60 hours at least, which would be two and a half days as if in, in our kind of Gregorian kind of a Western mindset of, of this, which would then look at the three nights, three days aspect that could fit into this better than what it would if it were like a Friday kind of a view. Now, there are those that hold to a Wednesday opinion, and this would be some that would fall into the more Hebrews rights movement, those that would hold to that you should have um, the assembly of the saints happening on a uh, on on the sabbath day being a saturday but even that i think there's we've we've debunked some of that before in previous podcasts on scripti look before when we looked at the sabbath 
and the Hebrew mindset of the Sabbath was never connected to a, a, a seven-day Western kind of a view. There were okay. 30 days in, a, in the month, and you, you would have the Sabbath on the seventh day of that month, and then the 14th day of that month, and the 21st day of that month, and then you would have a double Sabbath on the 28th day of the month, and then the next month it would start again on the seventh day. And so it didn't have the same kind of weekly structure as what we have with a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And so those that are strong proponents for this, like, rigid every seventh day aspect, it just doesn't hold up to the weight of, of history and church history. But the Wednesday option states that there were two Sabbaths that week, and I think that this is a strong argument. After the first one and the one that occurred in the evening on the crucifixion, Mark fifteen forty two, Luke twenty three fifty two to fifty four, and that the woman purchased the spice, spices, noting that they made their purchase after the Sabbath, Mark sixteen verse one, and then the Wednesday view holds that the Sabbath was the Passover. Um, and, and we see that some of this is laid out in Leviticus 16:29, as well as Leviticus 23, verse 24 to 25, and Leviticus 23, verse 39. And I'm giving a lot of passages here, but you can jot them down if you wish and go and get the podcast afterwards if you want to look at this more. But uh, I'm trying to condense it a little bit for us. And and this this view holds that there were these two holy days, and and are then not necessary that not necessarily the seventh day of the week as referred to as the Sabbath, and that the second Sabbath that week was the normal weekly Sabbath. And we see this somewhere in like Luke 23, 54. And, and let me read that passage, Luke 23, 54 to 24, verse 1. It was preparation day and the Sabbath was about to begin. Now the woman who had come with him from Galilee followed and beheld the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned. They prepared spices and perfumes and on the Sabbath day they rested according to the commandment. And then verse uh, chapter 24, verse 1, now on the first day of the week, and that's what we just can't get away from that in Luke chapter 24, on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb, bringing the spices that they had prepared. And so they, they would seem that in that Wednesday view, they would say that the Thursday was a Sabbath and the Saturday was a Sabbath. And therefore, they bought the spices on the Friday. They got the spices ready on the Friday. They rested on the normal Sabbath day and then on on the the Sunday they came to the tomb, which was the day that he then rose from the grave. So the woman then had purchased the spices, and the first Sabbath returned and, and prepared the spices, and then they rested on the normal Sabbath, let's say the, the Saturday kind of Sabbath, and that argument then states that they could not purchase the spices, spices after the Sabbath, yet they prepared those spices before the Sabbath. And so this is the argumentation for the Wednesday viewpoint. And according to the Wednesday viewpoint, the only explanation that does not violate, uh, does not violate the biblical account of the woman and the spices is holding to holding to this tradition is in matthew 12 verse 40 is that christ was crucified then on the wednesday and then the sabbath was this high holy day passover occurring on the thursday and so the only main kind of concern with this view is found in matthew 24 verse or rather sorry luke 24 verse 13 where you have the men that are walking on the road to emmaus so this is a possible problem for the wednesday view is that these disciples were walking on the road to Emmaus on the same day that Jesus rose from the dead. And the disciples who then recognized Jesus, they didn't recognize him at that moment. They recognized him later when he prays over the yes. food. Yeah. Um, but, but we see that they say to him in chapter 24, verse 22 of Luke, they say, today is the third day since these things happened. Whereas if he was crucified on the Wednesday, 
they they would surely have said this is the fourth day since that happened, unless if they only counted it as the three days from the Wednesday evening and they saw the Wednesday evening him being in the tomb as part of Thursday. So that's possible. So they might see him as being buried as part of the Thursday because his body would have still had to be taken off of the cross. His body would have been transported. You have, um, you know, one of the Sanhedrin coming to Pilate saying, please, can I have his body? And he gets his body. So it may be that there were a couple of hours in between him being taken off of the cross and actually then placed into the tomb. And he could have technically been placed into the tomb on the beginning of the Thursday. Let's put it that way. And so that holds then to that Wednesday view. So then maybe these disciples would have seen it as this is the third day since then. But in the grand scheme of these things, and this is how I want to wrap this up, because now I've talked about a Friday view, a Thursday view, and a Wednesday view. And you could, I think, be balanced in between the Thursday and the Wednesday view. I think that would give probably less argumentation for like a Friday to Sunday and say, oh, but how did three days sneak in between Friday and and Sunday? In the grand scheme of all of this, it's not all that important to know which day of the week Christ was crucified. We are told that he was that he rose from the dead on the first day of the week. And that is clear. But it is very important that we hold to what the Bible says in regard to Jesus was crucified, Jesus was buried, and Jesus rose again from the grave. That's what's mostly important. And that he had the bodily resurrection from the dead, which is opposite to what the Gnostics say. So what is equally important is that the reason why he died. Why did Jesus die? John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life and then john 3 verse 36 says he who believes on the son has eternal life but he who does not obey the son will not see life but the wrath of god abides on him so this is the main importance of the 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 passover story jesus indeed died at that cruel cross he was buried and he rose again and we serve a risen savior He is now seated at the right hand of the Father because he walked with his disciples for 40 days and then he ascended on high, seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for his church. And this is the glorious reality that we have of this gospel message. And believing on him, you will have eternal life. Well, I hope uh, that makes sense. That was quite a uh, lot of information. And as uh, Rocky quite rightly said, after the program, we will podcast this and you can slowly mull it over, stop, replay it, listen to it again, jot down those scriptures. Uh, you've, you've touched on a nerve. <laughs> I see some of the listeners that uh, send in uh, WhatsApp here that says, well, it's 72 hours, uh, even links that, and they use words, the hoax of uh, the Friday uh, crucifixion. Uh, I think we've touched on that now, the, the three different ways of looking at it and uh, uh, working out of uh, scriptures with it, I, I, I think you've answered that answer th- that question quite good enough. Rocky, thank you so much uh, for that one. If you've got a question you want us to answer, you can email us. Uh, did I say email? You can WhatsApp us. Oh, wait, too. I'll give you Rocky's email right at the end of this program, but you can WhatsApp us. Oh, wait, too. 657-2729. And it will be our privilege to uh, search the scriptures with you. Nico Green, I see you there on WhatsApp. Bless your heart. Uh, Ikasa says, we've got to play some music. A dear brother, that's the part of to be with the Lord now. I'll remember him forever in my heart, a dear place. Sipokaleni, remember him? 
used to sit behind this very microphone that I'm speaking to you now, gone to be with the Lord. Here he is singing, uh, standing tall on my knees. Yeah, what a wonderful, beautiful song that is. Sipo Kaleni, gone to be with the Lord Jesus Christ now, standing tall on my knees. Thank you so much for choosing this uh, program to listen to. 657 AM is where you tune to. With me in studio, the uh, pastor Rocky Stevenson from Benoni, Benoni Bible Church. And we're searching the scriptures with you. Got some interesting questions that came in. As jy vraag het wat jy graag wil hee, ons moet hanteer, um, dan stuur jy dit vir ons na 0826572729 En dan ondersoek ons saam met jou die skrifte, dit sal so'n groot voorrecht wees. Nico Green, you up next with your question, we'll be back right after this. Our family is just getting bigger and bigger. Welcome to 657 AM. Our family getting bigger and bigger by the minute. Bless your heart. Thank you so much for listening to Radio Puppet. Nick Green had uh, sent us a WhatsApp question. Rocky, would you mind uh, reading yeah, sure. the question firstly? So Nico says, Hi, Vainant and Pastor Rocky. Do we, do we currently see a false teaching? Um, now, there... Yes, there's lots of false teachings. And he uh, he says, I received the message below over Easter. At first it seemed biblical, but two items conflict within my heart. Hope this question is, is not too long. I've been co-crucified with Christ. I have been co-buried, co-resurrected. I've been co-glorified, and I am a co-heir of the kingdom of God. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I am seated at the right hand of God with Christ, and I rule and reign with Christ from heavenly places. Now, he points out two areas that he is conflicted with this, and I would agree with you on, on that, Nico. And um, part of this, um, a lot of this is biblical, because when you have been born again, you have indeed been co-crucified with Christ. That's part of that uh, view of what happens even at baptism, that we show that we have died with him, We've been buried with him and we've risen with him. I think where this is difficult, because there is a reality that we are seated with him in heavenly places. That's the Ephesians 2, 6 aspect. And we see that we have received all of the heavenly blessings in Christ our Lord. But where this is pushing is pushing towards what's called dominion theology. And part of dominion theology is heretical as well. And it also makes you to to see yourself as no longer a a pilgrim on this earth and no longer somebody who is an ambassador for the coming king. Part of what this does is it says that Jesus is already reigning over the world and that we have a figurative thousand year reign of Christ and that we are now reigning with him in that. And so therefore everything that is Christ is ours and that we must take what is ours by this dominion that we have. And I've seen some of this around our country as well, where often you have these movements that are ecumenical and that tend to, when I say ecumenical, I'm not saying with all religions, but you see it within Christian denominations and it's a rejection of all form of denomination as well and all type of form. And that itself is in itself actually a form. It's called anarchy, where you have no order at all. And where there's this idea, well, I'm going to blow a ram's horn over Middleburg, for example. And then Middleburg is now Middleburg for Jesus. And there's this dominion theology aspect that's connected to it. And I think that that is the dangerous place that we, we might fall into. We ourselves, as those that are called to, to deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him. We are, to a degree, a kingdom of priests. 
but we proclaim the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a coming day, and we go to the Gentile nations of this world, and we tell them about a coming Messiah. And so I think that's where uh, this this message sometimes, it's pushing people towards a place that isn't yet there. They haven't yet received their glorified bodies. There's still this this Romans chapter 8 groaning in our body with all of creation, looking for the day of redemption. And so I think that this message goes a little bit too far. It does have biblical elements, but like what Satan even does, often he takes a, a lot of truth and then he mixes a little bit of error into it. So I do think that we are seeing something of a false teaching from that message that you sent us, Nico. So thank you for that. Right. Uh, Nico, bless your heart and thank you for taking part in this uh, program. I hope that answered for you the question. And if you've got a question that you'd like to send in, bless your heart, send it through to 082657 2729 0826572729 Amazing uh, that sometimes when people uh, send in questions they're typing so fast and as you say dik vingers het soos ek dan maak jy patie keer a typo jy tik verkeerd en ons het a WhatsApp hier van iemand ontvang wat sê goeiemorgen hoe verstaan ek heiligmaking in Hebreërs 14 vers 12 nou baie interessant daar is nie Hebreërs 14 nie dit is in Hebreërs 13, ek dink wanneer jy verwees het, maar heeltemal te verstaan ons het vir hom opgespoor Rocky, uh, sanctification what am I to understand what is meant by sanctification according to Hebrews 13 and verse 12, would you kindly just read yeah, us Hebrews, uh, Hebrews 13, uh, sorry, Hebrews 13 verse 12 says, therefore Jesus also that he might sanctify the people through his own blood suffered outside the gate so let us go out to him outside the camp bearing his reproach for here we do not have a lasting city but we are seeking the one to come now this is speaking about the fact that through what jesus did for us is that he makes us to become saints and so that's that idea of sanctify it is to make us a people that are now holy we are made holy by the blood of christ and so his blood covers us which then our sin has been paid for. And this picture is that of the lamb that is now taken outside of the camp of the people of Israel and is to, in in that sense, bears the guilt. Right. So he bore the guilt that our sinners deserved and the wrath that our sinners deserved, and he has given us his righteousness. And so therefore we are a sanctified people. Now sanctification is threefold in many respects. One is that it's you have a positional sanctification where God looks down and now he sees the finished work of Christ. That never changes. Right. That's part of your justification. You have a sanctification, however, that is progressional, and that is that you become more and more like Christ as you live. And then there is a sanctification that is future in the sense of glorification, where you will be with him one day and you will be absolutely holy as he is holy. You use the word justification and many times they link together sanctification and justification just uh, elaborate a little bit more on justification a as justification to... a nice way to remember justification it's it's twofold yeah it is that you it's you're seen as though you have not actually committed the crime so that's right. justification but it's also and justification scriptural. yeah scriptural as well and and so so you you need to if if you've if you have a debt, for example, and yeah. you've committed a crime, let's say that you've murdered somebody. Now you stand accused. you accused of murder, and you, need, you now need to have the punishment for that murder. Now, justification means that actually you've proven innocent. 
But it's more than that in the biblical sense because it's not simply okay to be proven innocent before God. One needs to be holy, holy, holy if you're to be acceptable by God. And so you don't just need to have your payment made for your debt and be declared righteous in that sense. You now need to be proven to be actually fully holy, like God is holy, to even come into God's presence. You think of him as a mighty king. He he won't let you into his presence unless you have the right clothing on, unless you are righteous before him. And so what Jesus did in his justification for us is not only did he pay the penalty that our sins had, him who knew no sin became sin for us. Sanctified. He, he has done that work for yeah. us, but he's also given us his righteousness. You can picture wow. it kind of like a cloak. Jesus has a righteous cloak, and we have a sinful cloak. He has taken our sinful cloak on himself, and he has given us his righteous cloak, so that now we have received something far greater than what we sometimes realize in salvation. Not only are we enemies that are now made right with God, but we are adopted into his very family. We have been made sons and daughters of God by the work that Christ has accomplished at the cross. And this is just glorious. And so that justification work is, and, and a nice way of remembering this is you take the word justified and say, just as if I'd. Just as if I'd never sinned and just as if I was always righteous. That's what happens at that point of justification. And so that is a positional kind of a sanctification which Jesus has accomplished for us, which is part of what Hebrews chapter chapter 13 verse verse 11 speaks of. Back in Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1, it says this, For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one. For which reason he is not ashamed to call them brothers. And so there you see even this element of that sanctification that is a, a progression still. But we are we are now positionally in his family. We can no longer not be in his family anymore. Buggles we will never ever be seen as enemies anymore. Yeah. We are brothers to the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of that, he who started the good work in us will bring it to completion. And so this is a fully packaged deal. This positional sanctification this progressive sanctification and this one day fully sanctified when we are with him. And that's what Paul actually longs for in Romans chapter 7 where he says, Wretched man that I am, who will save me from this body of death? And then chapter 8, there is therefore no condemnation for those that are in Christ. So being in Christ is this justification and the sanctification that we're speaking of. So so somebody asked it, and I think you've touched on it, uh, Rocky. If I say that I'm sanctified through the blood of the Lamb, Jesus, and we've just gone through the Passover... Mm. And justified. Does that mean completely, utterly, 100%? Even though I'm in this flesh and I fall on a daily basis. And then here's the question. Somebody said, do I still then have to repent on a daily basis? When I sin, when I fall, uh, yeah, when the, I pop let fall. Yeah, definitely. The, the Spirit of God does bring to, to our memory that which we, when we have sinned against Him. And First um, John 1, and, and that's a, a fantastic passage to reference, says this in verse 9, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins right. and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then verse 10 is, is very important as well, which says, If we say that we have not sinned, we make him to be a liar and his word is not in us. So we've got to think of our sinning in the context of our relationship with the Lord Jesus and to the Father. The Father, we are now his children, 
and relationally there's damage when we have sinned against him. But because of the work of the Spirit in us, he makes us sensitive towards our sin. And so even though we are in this flesh still, and there is this battle that is raging, and we need to be putting to death the flesh, which is a daily thing. We need to be renewing the spirit of our mind, which is a daily thing. And we need to be putting on the new man, which is after the image of Christ. That is a daily thing. We now are, when you are a born-again person, you're one person with two natures, the fleshly nature and the nature that is after the new man of Christ. And we are called to put to death that old nature of Adam and put on the new nature our of job, Christ. Our and responsibility. that is that constant battle against sin. So we don't, we're not sinless, yeah. but we do sin less and sin less and sin less. And we have the formula for us in First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins. So there are times that we sin. Indeed, there's times where we sin in an unintentional manner where there's still that like remnants or the muscle memory of sin, if we can yeah. call it that, in us, where we respond, we kick our toe and we uh, a swear word comes out which yeah. shouldn't have come out. But later on a swear word doesn't come out, but there's still anger that comes out. And later on there's not anger that comes out, but there's depression that comes. You know, So there's, there's yeah. different ways that we respond to different pressures that are around us. And we are a people that are not – we're in this world, but we're not of this world. We're a, a saintly people. We're we're on a pilgrimage. But like any ambassador that comes from any other country, there's certain things of that country they go to that they start to enjoy and maybe forget some of their homeland. Yeah. And that's part of our, our issue. And, and Hebrews actually talks to that issue a lot where he talks about the rest that is to come. And so there's this continual sanctification that takes place for us. But to say that we are sinless, we will never be sinless nah, until we yeah. either have the rapture or we are called home by the Lord Jesus, and this battle must be waging. And the yeah. fact that this battle wages is is part of the the comfort that we have. And First John speaks to that element of um, being assured of salvation. Now, assurance of salvation is a gift from God when we are walking rightly with the Lord. And there's times that we might not enjoy that gift of the assurance of our salvation, in particular if we have unconfessed sin, if yeah. we have sin in our life that we have been shielding and hiding. But the beauty of this and what Jesus has done for us, and that's what John the Baptist declared when he saw Jesus coming to him. He says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He doesn't just cover it. And what he did at the cross is a finished work. He doesn't die again and again and again and again for sin. Mm -hmm. He died for sin in its totality so that the person that believes on him is saved in totality. He is saved from his sins past, present, and future. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he taken our sin away from us. And that has happened at that point at the cross. When we believe on Jesus Christ, when we look to him who became sin for us, that's that John 3 aspect of where Moses held up the bronze serpent and those that were bitten by the snake looked to that bronze serpent and were saved. We simply look to Christ and we are saved. But yet there's this daily struggle that you and I go through. You talk Jesus about that. Jesus has paid for it in full. You talk about that battle, that the battle raging between uh, the flesh and the spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, a well-known South African, no names, no back, back, back drill here. But a well-known South African, South, South African said, "Good people don't go to heaven; 
only believers do. Yes. Is it the question then that good good people don't have that battle raging in them? The, yeah. They're just trying to be good people, but it's not yeah. justification. It's yeah, not our, our Lord Jesus even corrected that thought in the Jewish mindset that there's no one who's good. Only God is good. And that's why Paul as well appeals to the fact that it's no longer I that live, but it is Christ that lives in me. Yeah. Anything good in our life is brought about by the Spirit of God within us. And and I think here's where the hope is for us as the ord- the ordinary Christian with an ordinary Bible, yeah. with an extraordinary spirit of God within them, is equipped by God to live a life that is to the glory of God the Father. And there's no boast in us for that because the goodness that there is there is the goodness of God working its way out in us. And that's Ephesians chapter 2 as well because we were, we were never saved by good works, our good works at least. We were saved by the good works of Jesus yeah. and we were saved by Jesus' perfect person and his finished work on the cross. But we are saved for good works that we would walk in them good works which were prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. And that's a glorious thought as well. These good works that we live out because of our salvation, it's never attributed to us. It's attributed to the mighty work of Jesus within us. Rocky, baie dankie vir daarjene, en I trust that that answers your question on uh, sanctification, justification, good people, and uh, believers, and uh, yeah, it's always interesting that what comes out of these uh, questions. Thank you so much for the word there. Uh, Judith, your turn. Bless your heart. Baie dankie dat jy deelneem aan die program. Sy sê, goeiemorgen, kan jylle asjeblief verduidelik die betekenis van Matthies 10, 14, Matthew 10, 14. Uh, skit die stof van jylle voete af Skit die stof van jylle voete af uh, Rocky, what do we understand by that? Yeah, what so is this, meant by that? This, this terminology was a, a, a phrase at that time and, and, a, and a physical demonstration of the, the, the guilt is now on your head You have been told this message But you have rejected this message and it also then is a commission for the disciples to continue going to the next place. So this is where the disciples are sent out to preach. And uh, Jesus says this, and let me read the passage for us, Matthew 10 from verse 12. It says, Now as you enter the house, give it your greeting. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And whoever does not receive you, nor heed your words. So there's the receiving and the heeding of the words. As you leave that house or that city, shake the dust off your feet. Truly I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. And so this is quite a sharp wording that Jesus gives. But part of it is to say that you've now done your job as the disciple that's meant to go and proclaim this. You've done the job that you were called to do there and the guilt now remains on them because they did not receive you and they did not receive the word that you gave. The other aspect where we see this actually happening is later on in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 13, just before Paul goes to Iconium. And um, and Paul himself, where there's many that, that actually believe and the um, and we see that there are some that are persecuting Paul. And right at the end of, of chapter 13, It says this, verse 51, But having shaken off the dust of their feet against them, they went to Iconium. This is now Paul and and his missionary journey. And the disciples were continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. And so this does speak to our commission. And we do see that there's a, a sense where even the apostles were doing this, where they moved on. They didn't 
continued to try and argue that they, those that were coming against them, they shook their dust off and they went on with their mission. Are we to and, do that today as well? Uh, if I'm starting at the top of my neighborhood and the top of the street and my neighbor says to me, just go away. I'm not interested in you, your God. Are you to shake off the dust of your shoes? Or in, in a sense, you? yes, because you, you actually you don't need to be arguing. You've got a great commission that Jesus has given you, Matthew 28, where we are to go into all the world, starting at Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. But we to go to all the world and make disciples of every nation, baptizing yeah. them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. So we have a bigger mission. And if somebody is not receiving this, we leave them to the Lord to deal with them. And I think that that is the the commission that we've received, is going to all the world with us. Now, this was something that, that Paul actually did. We're not commanded as that first group of disciples to physically, like, shake off the dust. But I think there's a principle behind us that we are to enter into. We're to be driven about this great commission that we have. And we to leave the consequences up to the Lord when it comes to our sharing of the gospel with somebody. It's him who changes a heart, but we need to be faithful to giving this gospel message. And if somebody refuses to receive it, and if somebody actually even is hateful towards us regarding that, don't worry too much. Carry on and tell the next person about the gospel. Simple as that. Right. Uh, Katie Childs, you up next. Uh, Rocky, I just want to go for the first, first part of her question. She says, good morning. Is it wrong to find out about other religions so that I would know to help if I am a Christian? But I don't like to get into arguments on my beliefs with other people. Uh, what does the Word of God say? Even Old Testament, New Testament? Uh, yeah, um, I, I think that... that what is most important is to study the Word of God itself. Um, and, and the Word, of, you know, the, in the Scriptures we do see that His Word is a, is a light to our path um, and a lamp to our feet. And, and this is what we desperately need, is we need God's Word to be guiding us. And the best thing for us to do is to study the truth, and then we will know that there, when there is error. But what we do see about even the Apostle Paul is he had a level of knowledge regarding the Roman uh, false worship. You see that even in the book of Acts, he was able to debate those that held to what the Pharisees held to. When, it, um, when, we, when we say the Pharisees and then you had the, the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Even at the Areopagus, you know, uh, yes, the Acropolis. You know, he, yeah. on Mars Hill, he yeah. was able to debate these things because he had an idea about them. Yeah. But I would say that it wouldn't be good for the Christian to be fixated when it comes to false religions, because you, you could go, I mean, you could study that until you blew in the face. But it is helpful if you're in a specific area in our world to understand the world that is around you and to the Jew become a Jew, to the Greek to become a Greek, not to embrace those things, but to realize we live in a context that is around us. And so if you're in an area where there's a, a, a lot of a specific religion around you, Great. Go and study a little bit about that religion. But I think that you need to be very careful to make sure that you don't forget what the Word of God says and get too fixated in that which is false. Rather study that which is truth, and then what is false becomes more clear. And, and go back to the scriptures all the time. Let the scriptures be that which is your solid rock that you stand on. Katie Charles, trust that that will answer you. Rocky, final question. We literally got three, four minutes. Not sure if we can cover it in the amount of time left. But what's happening in the Middle East? It's kind of hectic. Uh, some people say we're on the verge 
of uh, things going terribly wrong in this world. Uh, we see what's happening in Israel at the moment. There is an instruction to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Um, a couple of thoughts on your understanding the Word of God. Where do we find ourselves? We've got literally three minutes left. Yeah, I, I think that we are you know, in a time where we are seeing something of what Matthew 24 verse 6 says, and you are going to hear of wars and rumors of wars, see that you are not alarmed, for these things must take place, but that it is not yet the end. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and in various places there will be famines and earthquakes, but all these things are merely the beginning of birth pains. Then they will deliver you to tribulation." and will kill you, and you will be hated by all nations because of my name. Now there, in particular, we do get into a place where the great tribulation is coming, in particular for Israel. Remember that the book of Matthew was written to, in, it, yeah. in particular for the people of Israel that had, um, that had rejected the Messiah. And there is a time in particular for the people of Israel that they will face a, a tremendous tribulation period. But we do see that Jesus says to us, don't be alarmed about these things. Now, it can be quite alarming, isn't it? When we look at the news, yes. we see what we see in Russia and Ukraine. We see um, China and Taiwan. We see a, a proxy war that is happening between America and, and everybody Russia. everybody talks nuclear we, war. We see even um, what is happening in Israel at the moment. And, man, things are so fiery up in Israel yeah. at the moment. Probably the most fiery they've been in about 50 years at least. And that's that's quite that's saying quite something. Um, we we have Iran in particular that is hell bent on destroying Israel, and they are they are performing very much a. Uh, you could call Iran something like an octopus at the moment because they've got many tentacles, and they've got kind of the what the Iran that is seen by the world, but you've got the dark kind of side of Iran that yeah. really seeks out the destruction of Israel, and uh, th- there is a militant move and missiles that are pointed towards Israel and estimated 250,000 missiles that are pointed towards Israel from wow. around it at the moment and so so do be praying for Israel and the peace of Israel we know that there's that only when there's a time where there is no sun moon or stars that's when Israel will cease to be a nation the scriptures teach us that and we can trust in the Lord and I think that the command from our Lord is that which should come to our mind do not be alarmed at this so if you have fear that is rising up in you because of these things and there's a lot that's happening if you look at BRICS and you look at the um, there's an alternative now to the petrodollar they're trying to bring a a different currency for for trading petrol and there's multiple countries that have signed that and there's economic woes within our world at the moment um, America is what others have described spending money like a drunken sailor in the Ukraine war that is happening there and um, there's much that's happening but for the Christian we still have a great commission that we need to be engaged in and and the world needs the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ the fact that there is a savior for sinners yeah. and and I think that the world around us is actually hungry to hear about the Lord Jesus Christ and the savior for sinners so that is our commission keep keep going keep being awake in our day 
keep on serving the Lord Jesus and keep doing what the church is called to do. And most of all, stay in the Word, in the inner sanctum, in your inner room. Stay in the Word, stay with the Lord. Uh, Stay on the rock of all ages, Jesus the Christ. Rocky, thank you so much for this morning. Done, dusted, another hour gone into all eternity. Somebody wants to be in touch with you, uh, send you an email, get hold of you. How do they do that? Welcome to send me an email on pastor at benonibiblechurch.co.com. Simple as that, pastor at benonibiblechurch.coza. You can uh, contact uh, Rocky there. Uh, Praying for your safe return to your family and to your congregation in Benoni. Thank you so much for this morning, my brother. And thank Uh, you as well. Yeah, and indeed a privilege uh, to be with you. And to you listening to this program, may God richly bless you. Remember, there's a responsibility when you listen to a program like this. The Acts 17.11 says now to go and search the scriptures to see if these things are so. That's Acts 17.11. We will podcast this program in a moment or so, and you can listen to it in your own leisure, in your own time, and search the scriptures. Till next time, keep well. God bless you. Shalom.